My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from the Keen Family Games Channel. I hope you're all having a blessed day. We're going to be talking about some magic cards today. Uh, my son and I, we've been playing a little bit of Wastelands 3, so check out our game streaming. And I would also recommend that you uh, take the opportunity to check out Justin Keen's music channel. Check out the CD that he's got out. He's got some new projects coming, and he also game streams Fallout 76. Here with us today is my son, guest Daniel Keene, as you can see at the top, and we're going to talk about magic cards. Him and his girlfriend, as well as my brother and his wife, Autumn Keene, like to play magic a lot, and my son is going to try to teach me how this works, how to understand it, and here we go. What you got for me? I don't know, specific questions right off the bat? Well, let's go ahead with uh, what is your favorite like type of deck? What type of characters that you you uh, use? I understand that there's uh, characters that you use on the cards with certain type of uh, buffs and power supplies and all this. How exactly does this work? Uh, whenever you're playing with someone, you had said something about a battlefield. Yeah. Um. Well, my favorite type of deck to use. Has for a while been a white mana deck, which involves uh, gaining as much life for my uh, player self in order to keep myself in the game, as well as using my high life total as a type of threshold to make my character stronger. Because there's many creatures that I have that get stronger the more buffed up my player health is, basically, because each player starts off with 20 life in standard when they're playing. So I have creatures, for example, <clears throat> I have this one called, I th believe, Sarah Ascendant, where it starts off as a weakling little human priest, basically, and it gets stronger after you get past 30 health, which means you just have to pass the low bar of getting 30 life. <clears throat> so you have spoken about a certain decks that you like and some of the characters and all this. Yeah. Um, is it like a certain elemental or a certain form of magic? You use like shamans and goblins. What type of characters do people normally use and what do you use? Um, well, it's dependent on the mana color that they're using. Um, the different mana types have their own races in them, like, you know, goblins and elves and stuff. Usually goblins are allotted to the red category and then shamans i would imagine are in black and green uh i'm usually using white creatures but recently i'm trying to lean more into blue so yeah so what got you into magic the gathering and um i don't even know what uh also got justin into it but what started for you what was the inspiration well, for me and Justin, it was mainly a friend who had got us into it. Um, someone else had provided us cards and the strategy in order to use those cards. Um, it wasn't my first introduction to it. I had a, a work buddy who, you know, I asked about it because I told him I had played the, a, a, digi a digital edition of it, um, a sort of version where all the rules were basically kind of laid out in a tutorial and everything. So I, I was already learned, but I wasn't seasoned like my friend was. And they gave me several cards to use, and I said, you know, I prefer white. So he said, uh, okay, I'll try to gather up as many as I have in one box, and I'll give you it. And that's kind of how I got started using physical copies of Magic the Gathering cards, you know. Now, Magic the Gathering, does it have uh, communities where they go out and they bet money or anything like uh, they do? Um, do they have, like, a TV show or something where people can watch, like, the pros? Um, I don't believe they have a TV show, but they have many places you can go so you can play. Usually there are uh, tournaments that are, I don't know if they're scheduled there, but they're kept track of at those communities. They have several Magic the Gathering stores where they sell those kind of cards, and they have game nights, basically. And I'm not sure how many people do they get into that, but 
I mean, you know, me, Justin, Autumn, we don't bet money on any of our games because games could really go either way, like blackjack or something, you know. So, what do you notice uh, between your play style, your girlfriend, as well as Justin and Autumn? Uh, does there seem to be a difference, or do you guys all seem to have the same technique? Um. Well, I may have to think about that one. Well, whenever I'm playing uh, white mana, usually I'm more conservative in my board state. And whenever Justin and Autumn are playing, Ju- uh, Justin does black red and Autumn does black blue. And usually with black mana, it's more aggressive, I believe. It's more about controlling the other people's boards and yours, basically. All the cards always affect the enemies. That's what I'm saying. Um uh, with my girlfriend, uh, she plays a lot of green, but she also deck builds for other colors as well. But she was saying that her green deck was really good about um, getting mana as well as uh, putting out elves and just creating like an overwhelming force with that because apparently she has some really strong synergies there with her cards. So, <clears throat> so what does it mean? Uh... Synergy. I've seen synergy mentioned in some of the many video games we've played, but how does synergy work with a card deck? Um, it's not something uh, specific. It's whenever a card just happens to gel well with another one in such a way to be able to create some kind of strategy around. Um, I actually have a few cards with me today that just happen to work well just because they have either similar effects. Or they affect the board in a certain way as to basically be peanut butter and jelly. You know, peanut butter is not the same thing as jelly, but they just gel well. So it just works. Well, it's going to be a little difficult, ladies and gentlemen, to see some of the cards that my son has because this camera is kind of old. But we are going to, he's going to try to show a couple of these cards off and uh, hold up his, his deck. You've got a lot more of these things at home, though, right? Yeah, I got. So many, it, it takes at least, like, four hours to feel like I even kind of checked over all of them, you know. Um, I don't believe the uh, camera quality is good enough to show the text, but I can read off what they do. But I was wanting to get more into, um, you know, the rules of general play and the all right. idea well, can you show a code. few cards real quick, just to, like, hold them up for just a moment for people? Mm, okay. Well, I got Identity Thief. I don't know how that shows up. And I want to say Archmancer or Archaeomancer. Yeah, it's a little difficult to see it, for sure. Maybe we can, uh, maybe I can uh, take some, we can do some screenshots later and put it along with the video. Yeah, that that would make sense. All right, so you had uh, a particular subject in mind. Go ahead. Well, I just want to talk about the rules a little bit in general. Um, Outside of the game, usually what people will do uh, for standard play is they'll have at least 60 cards and a 1 to 3 ratio of mana to actual spells. Um, How it's generally thought of as far as, you know, role play, I guess, is that you're a mage from your own dimension, your own plane, and you're coming to basically face off against other mages or sorcerers, uh, and each one has a spell book. Before you continue, what exactly is mana? I've always wondered this. I've seen this in tons of games we've played, and I know it's associated with magic, but what is it? Is it like some kind of magical pest of the magician or something, or wizard? What is it? No, uh, mana is always gotten from these cards called land. Uh, you always know land because they never have... Uh, well, basic lands never have abilities and stuff. It's just the picture of what the area looks like with the associated mana color, or mana type, I guess. Like, white mana is always either like a plains-looking area with, like, you know, just a field, or green's always represented with a forest or a marsh. Um, some lands have special abilities that are really particular to them. 
Um, the thing with basic lands, though, is that you can have as many copies of any particular land, and it'll be fine. But whenever you start getting into things that aren't basic, you play sets are usually uh, maximum four. So, all right, I have a question for you. You're really big in the games like Divinity Two and One. Does Magic the Gathering have some of the same uh, things that you can do, such as, as you know, there could be poison laying on the ground or lightning uh, water and then using lightning to get criticals off of the elements. Can you do that in Magic? Um, in a kind of way. That's... I wasn't expecting that question. I mean, they are very different games, but if you want to think as the five different mana colors as uh, kinds of energy or element schools, you know, you could think of the different magic schools and Divinity 2 as, you know, colors, because you have, you know, Necromancy, Polymorph, uh, Geomancy. You could associate those with, like, black and green for Magic Gathering. Um, I don't know about the elemental combinations, though. It's it's very physics-based and divinity in that instance. What is the difference between playing a virtual video game of Magic the Gathering and uh, playing cards? Obviously, they're sitting around a table with a, uh, cool people and chilling out and everything, but is there a big difference? There, I believe there is. Um, I mean, I imagine playing poker without any of the faces are playing Uno without all the cheering going on, you know, and, but other than that, you can tell a lot about what cards somebody is holding based off of what copies they have. Like say they have a lightning strike or lightning bolt ability and they put that down to strike down one of your goblins in person. Um, and you realize they probably have four of those, but each of those lightning strike abilities are actually the same exact uh, looking card. What the difference would be is in digital, they always use the same copies of that card. But in person, if somebody has a different art for each lightning bolt, you'll be able to tell immediately that it's a different card. So there's one thing. Also, you can make mistakes in person when the digital edition will always highlight what your possible moves are, your options, so there isn't any confusion. Um, so I guess it helps keep track, but if you're trying to win, obviously you would want your enemy to make some mistakes, so there's that. Whenever I've looked at the cards of Magic the Gathering, it seems like there's always like some kind of unusual monsters or fantasy creatures. Yeah. Is there a human element to the game, humanoids and all that, or uh, does it uh, incorporate demons and angels, things like this. Go ahead. Basically, anything you can think of as far as races go, there's some kind of, uh, you know, alternate like that. Uh, for humans, most of the humans you're going to find in the game are going to be in the white mana. And that's kind of why I was drawn to it at first, because it seemed like it was the least remote as far as themes went. But there are humans and other... Uh, colors as well like for black you'll have necromancers and uh blood mages and stuff green will have you know druids but usually you'll see elves and green normally what we've noticed when playing games involving mana and magic and warrior type of things and elements we usually have to form a certain type of group in order to perform some of these different magic acts. But we also usually take with us like a priest in order to do healing. Mm -hmm. Is there a healing system in Magic the Gathering? Um, there, I mean, for... There, each, each color has a way to get life back. Um, it's usually really roundabout unless you're the white mana color. Um, because that's the one that's the most concerned with keeping everybody healthy, basically. Every card you look at for white either has something having to do with holiness or light. Um, if you're looking at black mana, you have vampirism, which gets you life back, of course. Um, green 
has its own life restorative abilities, like creating saplings that sacrifice themselves to give you life. Um, red, maybe not so much. Blue, I can see copying spells that white would play in order to get itself life. Um, I can't think of any examples for red at the moment. What does this mean, copying spells? Uh, copying spells is probably not used as much as other abilities for cards. Copying spells is something you can do either instantly or you can play on your turn in such a way as to copy a creature and give yourself that creature and then use the abilities from that creature. Or if you want to get really antsy with it, you know, you can copy spells that other players are playing. Usually it's the blue mana color that will do copying because blue just has, you know, that kind of brains over brawn kind of stereotype about it. Green's kind of the opposite where they always play the strongest creatures and are trying to get as much land summoned together to get their garden of, you know, giant elks or beasts and stuff going. Um, but blue has an archetype where it copies and mirrors other players in the middle of combat. Is there a system in the game where your cards can actually level and become more powerful or weaker? Yeah. What you can do, they usually call them counters, so that you know you don't have to mark on the card how many buffs it's getting. Um, usually what counters will represent is the exact uh, power and toughness, the health and damage of a creature. Um, you'll have dice that are put down to represent the actual counter. But you can also go about it in such a way where you attach other cards that provide armor or an aura that reflects damage. Or you can give it equipment that increases its attack. There's all sorts of things you can do in that way. And, in fact, white does it across the board the best, the most efficiently, but green will buff up single creatures in such a way as to make them huge, which is its own, you know. For people out there who might be interested in playing Magic the Gathering, would you say that it takes... How much time do you think it would take for someone to learn it? What's the learning curve look like? Well, with somebody who's more familiar with uh, role-playing games, I'm sure it wouldn't take long to understand the fundamentals. Um, it's not exactly rock, paper, scissors, but you know, if you're really good at rock, paper, scissors, I guess that basic uh, thought process would apply. Uh, to somebody who doesn't ever play cards, I guess... It would look totally alien. So I would say it would take somebody a, a couple of days to even acquire the taste if they were unfamiliar. And then it would take them maybe another week to really get down the rules as well as... I mean, it depends on how committed you are to it as well. I can't exactly give you an exact time frame. I've taken a look at uh, quite a few of these different decks of cards, Justin as well as yourself, and... I find them to be very, very artistic. Yeah. Even if I didn't know how to play the game, I could see why someone may want to collect them because of the um, ingenious nature of the creative art that is involved in this. Yeah, um, usually cards are valued by how old they are or how advantageous they are tactically. Um, one of the most expensive cards I know of, it's also one of the most well-known, is this card, I believe it's called the Black Lotus, where you get three of some kind of mana for free, or for a really low cost. It's oddly efficient, but it's worth like thousands of dollars. So, But usually cards aren't judged by their art, but um, Wizards of the Coast, which is the company that makes these cards are always coming out with new and better designs for their artwork. I believe they take, you know, submitted art, but they'll update their cards and come out with new forms that can be used in play uh, for their, you know, new generations of players. 
It's pretty neat. So do you think you and your girlfriend would be willing to sit down if I get the camera set up properly where we can like point it down at a table, um, record you guys playing a game of it? Yeah, I don't know how exciting that would be, but I mean, it would be fun for me, that's for sure. I would have to see what you'd say. Well, there's people around the world that uh, play cards. Uh, I did before uh, having you over, I looked a little bit into it, and apparently there's a lot of people are using something called Zoom Call, where they play magic virtually back and forth this way. Mm -hmm. Is that something you think you'd be interested in, or do you prefer being in person with people? Um, I believe in person is the best for me. Zoom call. I'd have to look at Zoom call to see how it really works, but this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So, well, imagine a bunch of uh, cameras on the screen. It's like um, Hollywood squares. When someone's getting ready to make their move, you can make it zoom up their camera where you can see their stuff really good. And obviously, these people are using like big time, cool cameras so you can see every freckle on your goblin right yeah but um yeah that's it's it seems like it's pretty neat it seems like people are trying to access and all that but um how do you start up a game like this is there like a certain amount of cards that you hold in your hand or how does this work so to start with each person would have their deck um they would mix the deck to make sure you know that there isn't any kind of card intentional pre-placement going on um no cheating basically they would mix the deck and each player would roll a 20-sided die and whichever number would be highest is which person be going first if there's four players each person would roll a die and you would basically count down from highest to lowest and that would be your turn order unless uh people decide you know actually it's the highest one would go first and you would call clockwise or counterclockwise in some instances um i'm not sure about that one exactly but each person would go to draw seven cards and you can choose to mulligan um have one less card but you get to draw again put the cards you had back on the bottom of the library the deck um and that's basically how it starts if you were to find yourself in a tournament that involves money and like some form of fame, would you go in using the same technique or do you think that you'd try something different or erratic? Um, well, I'm recently, I'm thinking about building a deck that involves a lot of copying of creatures and spells because I'm sure that would really throw somebody off if they found that they put down a creature that causes some sort of some sort of tax on drawing cards. If suddenly the opponent has five of the same creature and they're losing five life for drawing one card, Justin has a card kind of like this where each time an opponent draws a card, they lose one life. There's a, a card that I have called the Rite of Replication, where if you use nine mana to cast it. It creates, uh, I believe, five or six copies of that card. And along with another card called Followed Footsteps for five mana, it says on each each time it comes back to my turn, I create a token copy of a creature and it comes under my control. So say I got five of those with one coming each turn, basically every five minutes, basically. And... Every opponent, basically, I keep saying basically, but each opponent would have a ticking time bomb on their hands, and they'd have to deal with me really quickly, either by swiping at me or getting rid of my enchantments and my cards on my side. It would it would get really out, out of control, but I don't know if I could actually go to a tournament. What happens if the person doesn't act quickly? What is the consequences? Well, since each person starts with 20 life, if you go down to zero life, you're basically out of the game. And if it's just you and one other, one other person, then you would win. If you were facing off against two other people, where it was like a free-for-all, you would just sit out the game, and what would happen is you would just watch the other two people go at it. Cards that you had taken away from you through either mind control or 
through copying would still remain on the field because there would be some kind of presence that would be associated with, you know, your deck, but you would still kind of just sit back. And if it was a competition, like if there were stakes involved, like, you know, a bet, like a running money pot or something, then of course you wouldn't get in on that. But, you know, maybe some dignity at the very least would be taken. Does it appear uh, as though Justin and Autumn are pretty successful with the decks they choose? I believe so. Uh, Autumn's always trying to sharpen and re-evaluate what she has. Um, Justin's pretty confident as it is with his deck, and he switches out stuff occasionally. One or two cards here and there, but he largely enjoys his demons and his witches and his zombies, so... <clears throat> no. And what does it seem like uh, whenever you're playing? What seems to work against uh, such evil dark forces? Well, there are many cards that have protection from black, and just in general, that would deter them from using a lot of their uh, committed black mana cards. Uh, for instance, uh, Justin has this, I believe, six mana card where it's a demon that says that he can't lose and we can't win. And, you know, if I had a way to take away that character's abilities or if I could take control of it or create a copy of it, it would put us in either a stalemate or, you know, it would just kind of depend on the situation because you're always mixing up the deck and pulling different cards. It's always the same 60 cards, but... You know, you sometimes games can go wildly different than when you expected. But I would imagine protection from black would be my main weapon in that instance. But copying spells uh, also seems like it's a viable option in their instance. All right. Is there anything else that you would like to share having to do with magic? Um. Uh, this isn't necessarily part of the rules but it is something you can do for tournaments uh there's this thing you can use called the sideboard where you grip grab an extra like 10 or 15 cards and you can swap them out depending on what you're seeing other people play the cyborg sideboard oh sideboard i was like Board that's on got the side. technical monsters too now no go ahead well usually people will bring in you know their uh deck of 60 or more but they would also have cards that they would consider switching out depending on the situation. Like, you know, you could s resolve a game by having a best two out of three, and people could switch out what cards they have in between games, and it would work like that. You know, say you have uh, all your cards are wrong, but all the cards that you brought with you that aren't part of the deck are completely right. You could just swap all of them out and... You know, you'd be a little bit more suited for the situation. Now, when you guys play, is it normal rules that whenever you win or you take somebody's card, you get to keep it? Or is it now they get to keep their, their deck? Online, uh, some, uh, some websites that run the game would have you getting more of one type of card that's part of the set that you would be running, but in person, it just stings too much to play that like that way. Because one, that's one less card they have, and two, the card that they would I would win for myself probably wouldn't work for the deck that I'd be running. So it's that'd be kind of a waste of a time. We're we're just kind of there to enjoy playing the game in general and being there for each other. So. All right. Anything else that you want to share? We've uh, talked a little bit about uh, maybe doing some game streaming. My son has uh, done some game streaming with me repeatedly. I've encouraged him to uh, do some PlayStation and all that and some of the cool games he's got because he's got a lot of them. However, my son is very busy. He has a lot of things that he's got on his plate. But hopefully in the future, he might put some stuff together. Do you have any ideas for that, or do you still got your mind on other priorities? Um, well, I could stream some Divinity 2 
I was definitely thinking about that. Um, I feel like Skyrim might be overdone, but I mean, I could probably make something unique if I really put my mind to it. But I mean, Divinity Two would probably be the my go-to game to stream. That sounds like that'd be really cool. That's pretty close to Magic. What about uh, do you you do have Magic though on uh, PS4? Yeah, I have a couple games like uh, there. There is a free to play on the PC if you'd want to try that called uh, Magic Arenas. What is what's that last word? Magic Arenas. Oh, arenas, arenas. And uh, what is what's the difference between this and a standard game? Um. Well, it's. There isn't a whole lot of difference. I mean, it is digital. Um, what you find yourself doing is winning cards through successful battles, I guess, card games against real people. Um, I think there's plenty of people that play it, but whenever you're starting off, you find yourself having to kind of improvise in a sort of way because they give you a certain set. So that's the only thing about it. That kind of stinks. With uh, in person, you basically can create whatever kind of deck you want with the cards you find. But whenever you're playing online, you have to kind of use what they give you. And every time Wizards of the Coast creates a, a digital version, you can't use every single card that ever was in that uh, copy of the game. So. Before I forget, I want to let people know that if they go to the links in the description, not only will they find books, music, and art, and also Justin's music, but you'll also find our Facebook group page called Keen Family Games. Uh, my son might uh, post some screenshots sometimes of some of the type of cards that he uses and you would also any girls or guys out there who enjoy seeing him on camera or streaming video games you can contact him i will suggest don't have any negative behavior because he like myself knows how to use the block button so be cool be supportive be full of love or fuck out of here is how we basically see it any other things you'd like to add um well <clears throat> I'm not sure if I went into detail about the fundamentals as much as I wanted to. Well, let's talk about the fundamentals then. I remember at the beginning, at the beginning you were asking about Battlefield, and I had mentioned Library, but I never really got into it as much. Um, <clears throat> so the Battlefield, now let me start with the beginning of the game real quick. So, you know, you have your seven cards drawn, you figured out who was going first, uh, uh, everybody refers to your deck when you're playing as your library and how it reads on the 10 basically is you draw a card for each time it comes back to your turn and what you're hoping for is to get at least a couple lands to get yourself started um, so you have the mana to cast the spells you're going to be using after that it goes turn to turn you say end turn for whenever you're done with what you're doing um there's different phases to each turn as well. You have two main phases that are broken up with a combat phase, and then you have uh, basically your end step. Um, they call right before the first main phase your upkeep, so that's when you would draw your card, and that has to be done before anything else, unless you have a really particular card that says something happens before that. Um, that's only in special instances. But you can cast whatever sorceries or instant spells you have on you know, your main phases. And whenever it comes to combat, anytime you have a creature that can, has the power to actually swing at the opponent to reduce their life total, you can, unless their card says, like, defender, or if the card says it has to attack when able, then you don't really have a choice. Um, a lot of red-black cards do that. Um, I haven't seen any other mana types have a card like that, but... After that, you would pass your turn to the opponent, and uh, what the battlefield is, is basically where you'd have your creatures, and uh, I guess artifacts would be set to the side next to your library, and any creatures that have their life total, or their 
I guess their toughness reduced to zero would go to a graveyard, which would usually be set beside the library. A graveyard? Yeah. Any instant or sorcery spells that aren't in effect that are already used end up going to the graveyard. Um, it's just a term they use for used cards. Um, but there's a lot of cards that actually allow you to take the cards from the graveyard and put it back in your hand or back in the battlefield or back on top of your library. It seems like, uh, logically, if the game introduces zombies and undead, can the graveyard do anything for them, or is it just simply, it's like a timeout, like in hockey? Um, no. Uh, you can actually do some really particular stuff. Um, there is a lot of synergy with zombies in the graveyard. Um, but I do have this card, the Archaeomancer. It says, whenever Archaeomancer enters a battlefield, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So that's an example of that. But with zombies and stuff, there's a lot of uh, black mana cards that'll say that you can exile cards from other people's graveyards to give you health or give you your own zombies. And exile means that it's not in the library or the graveyard, it's just you can count it as out of the game. And I guess you would set it on like a counter or something or outside somewhere. It's like a mega timeout, basically. And there's high-cost cards that allow you to get things out of exile, but they just can't be targeted by cards that you would usually use to target the graveyard. So, let's see. My goodness, I've asked a lot of questions. Um, Is there... Okay. In some card games that exist, there are alternative ways to play it. Even a standard game like Blackjack... There's different ways that you can do it or how high you'll hit or stay. Does Magic have alternative ways to play or how many cards you can use or different rule systems? Uh, yeah. Um, you can count the different the uh, five mana types as play styles. Um, but there are different game modes. Standard would be the a regular 1v1 in the game of Magic. Uh, there is this one... I found out on digital where they count teams as two headed giant where you'd have two against two uh, free for all would be, you know, a one V one V one V one. But then there's also this other game mode that I never really participate in called commander where you would use um, a heightened minimum. I think of like a hundred cards, I believe. And you would use a legendary creature as like your patron for your deck and you can only have one copy of any particular card to make it more fair. And that commander can kind of bounce off and reflect what those creatures and spells you have in your deck are. But uh, it's I don't have a perfect grasp of it because I've never really participated in the game of commander. But there are different game modes. But I would count the different five mana types as play styles as well. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? We could uh, obviously in the future do many, many more parts and talk about many different subjects and topics. If there's anything else that you'd like to add that you think that the audience would find fascinating about magic, go for it. Um. Well, a strategy that I keep having to remind myself of is whenever your hand is full, so your maximum hand size usually starts with seven, there's a lot of blue artifact cards that will allow you to have a heightened maximum hand size or an unlimited hand size, which can get kind of weird depending on wh- how much you're drawing. But um, there's a strategy you can use where you go to discard a card to the graveyard due to your maximum hand size being full. Um, and then you can use whatever card would normally take something out of the graveyard and put it on the battlefield. And you, you could have a strategy that revolves around that. A lot of uh, black cards will <clears throat> actually take things out. Like, uh, Crips will have an effect whenever they enter the battlefield where you can take crips, something out. Crips, you say? Crips, yeah. Uh, like, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, there's some white mana cards that say you can just resurrect things. I have one of my favorite white mana cards is this card called Sun Titan, 
where whenever it enters the battlefield, it returns something from the grave to the battlefield uh, with two, a cost of two mana or less, or maybe three. I can't exactly remember. But So they have titans in the game as well? Uh, titans, demons, gargoyles. Deities? Gods. They're wow. pretty legendary. Wow. Continue on. I didn't explain the legendary system either. Um, whenever a card is legendary, you can only have one uh, instance of it on the battlefield at a time. You can have all your whole deck could be all legendary creatures, but you can only have one of each. However, there are some copy spells where you can create a non-legendary copy token of a uh, legendary creature, and those are pretty cool, but it would make your whole deck really expensive really quickly because usually legendary creatures go for uh, I generally above the usual standard amount <laughs> in actual money. But it is something you can do. Do you think that you would be interested in playing Magic the Gathering for money? Um, If I got pretty sharp at it, if the soul copy target creature instant or spell sorcery idea would work. Um, there are a lot of cards that do that, and there are cards that work with it, so I'm hoping that I can get a strategy that revolves around that kind of situation. Um, the thing about that deck idea is that it has less so to do with your strategy before the game and more about what you can think you could do with what the opponent is playing. You know, So you have to be really sharp about, you know, what the board state is, what the possibility are, possibilities are, and how efficient you can be. You know, you and I, we were discussing uh, doing something like eBay. I understand that we have stores all over the place where we can go and look at cards and all that. I used to collect uh, cards. They weren't involved in some kind of game or battlefield called Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah. Basically ugly-ass versions of Cabbage Patch Kids. And I ended up selling a small box for over $1,000 a while back doing that. Mm -hmm. You, uh, besides buying cards, you might be able to go into business for yourself. Because if you find, like, rare cards, somebody else out there that can't get to that card may be willing to, you know, give up some DNA for that. You know what I mean? Well, not only that, I thought about um, using the cards I have to create decks and selling those decks to get people into the game, or at least advertise to veteran players um, what the possibilities are with, you know, just what cards they would think would be junk, stuff like that. It is something you can do, for sure. Now, is it primarily sentient type of creatures or celestial creatures or undead? Is there anything in the, uh, how do I put this, in magic where it's not something that has like a embodied mind or something like that? I, yeah, I, I keep wanting to explain the creature types and stuff. Um, there are a lot of things like that. I, I don't know if I would count a changeling as like a sentient creature, but I keep finding cards that are changelings. There are artifact creatures. Is a changeling creatures. a creature that can become something else? Yeah, usually. Okay. Um, the things that make the uh, changeling type is usually different because it can count as every creature type at the same time, and there's a lot of spells and abilities that will target specific creature types, but if you have like your core creature army as changelings then anything would apply to them um, that would target race but there are also artifact creatures like I have a card called a hollowed plate armor or hollow plate mail one of the two where it will attach to something to cover it and give it for toughness but if it if the whole board becomes destroyed and there's only that one artifact it becomes it's a creature of its own where it just stands it's like a golem of some sort. It becomes its own creature, and you can swing with it. And it's like a last resort kind of situation. Does the game have gargoyles in it? Yeah. I have a land that... It it looks like a castle, and if you sacrifice five creatures to this castle, it summons a gargoyle, 
And there are some cards where you would have the front side that have would have its effect, and it would transform to so you could flip it to have have another form. Like werewolves do this all the time, where they'll start out as humans, and they'll have some kind of uh, trigger for their flip ability. Um, there are traps you can lay in the game as well, where you could play a, a card face down for its uh, face down cost, and it'll be cheaper to wait to cast it later. But somebody can also destroy the card, I believe, if they have a... Like, Justin uses this card called Murder that's only three mana, but I don't know if they can target face-down cards. But I've thought about using cards like that as well. I recently found this card that's literally a, like a stranger that looks like a grandma that turns into a witch that immediately takes out another creature whenever it flips. Like a hag? Uh, something like that. I mean... It's. It doesn't look like she doesn't look like a hag. It's just a a car that looks like a grandma carrying like a basket of cookies or something. And then whenever uh, I believe it is after three turns, it changes into like a blood sucking witch or something. <clears throat> it's very odd. All right, I got an unusual question for you. As you know, we've played ESO and all the Elder Scrolls in the past. You mentioned Skyrim and such. Um, there is a guild that gives you the ability to use powers that alter time. Is there anything in Magic the Gathering where you can, like, go three steps back or, like, change, like, a time setup? Is that weird or odd? It's not something I haven't heard of. Um, yeah, I was wanting to go into detail about the mana colors, because... Well, let's go ahead and do that. Okay. So... I'll I'll get back to your question in a second, but so the white mana color is all about conserving and keeping uh, things locked down and keeping the player healthy, basically. Uh, angels and humans and soldiers—that's the archetypes you're looking at. They also have a lot of like cats and like Egyptian themed creatures. Uh, black. Well, let me go back to black um, in a second, but red is a little bit more aggressive. You have a lot more temporary effects and it's all about damaging or throwing like fire, stuff like that. You have volcanic elementals and you have goblins and stuff that are played fast and they'll bring each other out and spawn out more goblins. Green is all about, uh, you can think of it like a garden that you're trying to grow up and you have different animals that you're bringing out and got elks and hydras and, elves and stuff um black does everything that the other colors do it just just kind of does it at a, at a deficit to itself either mana efficiency or your own life total becomes in jeopardy whenever you're using the abilities of other colors now blue is really brains over brawn usually blue doesn't have a really strong board state you have a lot of good defenders and stuff but It'll do stuff with time as well, which is something that makes it interesting. You have, you can do, there's three main ones. There's milling, which involves taking cards from opponents' libraries and putting them into the grave. You have the cloning stuff, which is what I'm trying to get into more, because I feel like the potential is unlimited. But three is the time stuff. Um, right off the bat, I can think of an ability called Time Wave, where it looks like a title force going over a clock or something it's like five mana and it says you just get another turn so you can do another combat phase uh abilities that would trigger uh on the start of your turn trigger twice because you have another turn on top of what you originally had um you can there's this one card i I forgot about called panoptic mirror where you would put you would pay it's a cost to put it down but you could also add a certain amount of mana into it to represent what can go into it. I guess it's you, you put another spell on top of it based off of how much mana you spend to invest. So say it costs, I don't know, three, you put an extra five into it. So then you can put any sorcery or instant that would cost five mana and you could keep casting that spell and it would stay as long as you keep, paying the cost. If you put time wave on there, you 
would get unlimited turns, but the thing about Panoptic Mirror is they actually ban that from tournaments because of how broken that combination is. Getting unlimited turns, it's kind of silly. But there's also another card that's uh, 7 or 9 mana, some kind of odd number, called Time Stretch, where you get an extra 2 turns, which is really silly. It's You have to invest all this mana to get an extra turn, and then you get another one after that. It's It's... There's something an opponent would have a hard time dealing with mentally and physically. <clears throat> All right, I suppose I got one more question for you. In classic RB- RPGs, I notice there's a lot of uh, correlation between some of the magic video games we play and with some of the cool stuff from the cards, or at least that's how I'm able to cooperate with the conversation, personally. Is there any kind of cards where they do such explosive damage? Uh, is there any cards out there that do such explosive damage that they can also harm your own uh, deck or your characters? Uh, yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the black and red mana colors. Uh, with goblins, you have uh, a lot of sacrificial goblins where you would take a goblin do its own power and toughness in form of raw damage to an opponent. So you're basically sacrificing a creature to lob at the opponent. Um, With black, you can pay a certain life total cost to get abilities and powers to work on creatures. Uh, It's some sort of sacrificial rights situation. I don't usually play bat black because it's like the loss aversion is too great for me to want to maybe cost the game in order to get you know the opponent down faster it seems risky like a warlock or something now you yourself you like to watch youtube is there anybody besides your handsome dad that you'd like to recommend or suggest to people that they may enjoy watching or looking at i know that you share a lot of really funny hilarious videos with me mm-hmm. well i know justin is uh uh, he makes streams of uh, 76, and he thoroughly enjoys that game. I'd recommend him. All right, all right. Well, uh, folks, if you enjoyed this, make sure you like up the video, share it, favorite it. And remember, if you'd like to actually reach out, talk to him about magic or video games or anything of that nature, girls or guys, just simply go to the Facebook Keen Family Groups, and you will see that he comments, and he'll probably most likely post some more things about magic and keep you guys up to date on what he's doing with the card game. And, of course, if anyone wants to learn anything or knows something more about the game, he's more than willing to give you info about it. I'm looking forward to, in the future, doing more videos with him, because, as you can see, he knows a great deal about a lot of very fascinating interesting things and i'm glad to have had you during this stream anything you want to say uh thanks for watching